The Wark Awards for Effectiveness are back for 2024, and they have evolved. We're looking for campaigns that celebrate strategic brilliance and effective impact across 12 categories in five new regional shows, including North America. I'm Anne-Marie Kerwin, and as Wark's America's editor, I see the great work being done every day. Now's the time to get the recognition for your most effective and brilliant work. The great news is you just need to enter once for the chance to win in your region and be in line for the Global Grand Prix. The Grand Prix will be announced during Cannes Lions Week, where you can prove your campaign is one of the most effective in the world. We're open for entries now, and the final deadline is February 6th. For more info on the fees and regions covered, head to work.com to download your entry pack. Strategic brilliance, effective impact, it's the award show you've been waiting for. Hello and welcome to the Walk Podcast. My name is Lena Rowland and today we're talking about sustainability. Now, sustainability is a really important topic for Walk and for our clients. It remains one of the most searched for terms on the site. As we know, it is obviously a very, very important topic. I'm delighted to be joined today by Catherine Driscoll, Walk's commissioning editor for EMEA and editor of a recent Walk Spotlight on how brands can shift the sustainability conversation. So Catherine, um, welcome back to the podcast. Tell us a bit more about why you chose to focus on this topic. Hi, Lena. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Well, yeah, as you say, sustainability is a hugely important topic for Walk. And so the idea for this spotlight was to showcase practical insights for agencies and advertisers around sustainability. We know from our Walk Marketers Toolkit research that sustainability is a particular concern for marketers in Europe. And with this in mind, I wanted to focus less on highlighting the challenge, but more on what brands can do to improve sustainability actions by consumers and also their own sustainability strategy in the business. You know, we know that there's a significant intention action gap between what consumers say and their concerns about climate change and their everyday actions and buying behaviours. And so we wanted to provide insights and advice for our clients to go a small way towards closing that gap. We've got a great lineup of authors who've shared some exclusive research findings that really deliver on the promise of shifting the sustainability conversation, whether that's revealing the best creative strategies or what the barriers are for consumers wanting to make choices that are better for the future of the planet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've covered this topic extensively on the platform. Uh, we've got a sustainability hub, as you know, and we've got um, we've also got the walk guide to net zero marketing. Um, so we've really we've really covered the problems and the challenges very very well. But now we're we're, we're moving on to the next stage, and and this spotlight certainly does that with actually moving beyond. Um, just talking about the problems, but actually can we showcase and provide some actionable and practical steps that marketers can take to really move the needle? So yeah, it's all about action. Um, of course, sustainability and advertising is so broad. So can you share with us the first theme for, for this podcast? Um, yeah, sure. Well, to get to the practical insights right away, um, you know, I'd like to share some of the research findings for better advertising messaging. Our lovely former colleague, Kiara Manko, who's now Creative and Media Partnership Director at System One, contributed an article based on System One's recent research with ITV and behavioural science expert Richard Shotton, which was all about environmental claims and advertising. They analysed 1,000 UK TV ads from the past three years. And the research found that only 8% featured an environmental message and that 
these environmental ads only scored in line with the UK average for effectiveness, and they also often focused on behaviours that were least impactful. Right, so that that 8% is obviously a very small amount given the urgency and size of of the problem. Um, Catherine, can you give an example of the behaviours that were, were not seen as very effective? Uh, Yeah, sure. So the biggest proportion of these ads were focused on reducing waste, um, while recycling is actually 60th on the list of behaviours to reduce greenhouse emissions. A much better ranked environmental messaging is to shift to public transport, switching to renewable energy, and living car-free is also top of the list. And there were some ads that focused on these behaviours, but overall, there's a real opportunity for messaging to focus on more effective behaviours that are also um, emotionally compelling or compelling to drive action. Right. So can you share some of the insights from the study for more effective sustainability messaging? Yeah, sure. As the climate crisis is global in scale, uh, so the article sort of goes on to say that the messages around it can be very abstract and stat heavy, but more personal stories with a compelling narrative and strong characters boost effectiveness, which of course holds true for all types of messaging. And other advice is to align the behaviour with something really people really care about or value. Um, and that also t- another facet is to focus on hope over fear. You know, if people feel too scared or guilty, then they're more likely to succumb to the ostrich effect. In other behavioural insights, it's important to make it easy and small changes to everyday activities and offer contextual cues. And the ostrich effect being that people just end up wanting to put their heads in the sand. Yeah, the problem just seems much too overwhelming and not something that, you know, their actions will actually have any impact on. Great stuff. Okay. I believe System One is running the Greenprint research for the US market as well. So Walk subscribers can uh, look out for that. That's coming in due course. Now, this spotlight also featured research by Edelman that looked at category specific messaging. What advice can you share with regards to that? In the series, uh, Mark McGinn of Edelman highlighted research on the most effective messaging for bridging that intention action gap. And it's a theme that was also highlighted in our 2024 Marketers Toolkit. And it's all about focusing on the individual's world rather than a global planetary concept. And so at the same time, core category claims like it tastes good or it washes whiter are still crucial and non-negotiable. So when a top performing category claim that's linked to a personal benefit is combined with a sustainability claim, the research found it significantly increased brand reach, you know, actually by 24 to 33 percentage points. And so this messaging was bringing in new audiences for the brand. An example would be formulated with sustainable ingredients that are good for your skin or 100% sustainably farmed for great taste. So there's two parts to the message and they're really specific actionable tweaks to wording that can actually lead to not only more effective environmental messaging, but also significant brand growth as it's increasing the reach at the same time. Okay, so when it comes to sustainability messaging, we know that making it local and making it personal is really important for brands to make their advertising more effective. One of the things that makes this the most effective advertising campaign in the world so effective is the use of humor. Using humor to promote a professional development program like the Master of Advertising Effectiveness might seem unusual, but in fact, humorous advertising is among the most effective advertising. Yet the use of humor has declined considerably in recent years, which is the exact opposite of funny. 
To learn more about what makes advertising effective, head over to mae.academy. That's mae.academy. What's the second theme for today? Um, well, yeah, there are some really useful learnings around effective messaging, but the story isn't entirely rosy. For the second theme, I'd like to focus on some of the problems with the uptake of sustainably marketed products. The Edelman research put some numbers on that intention action gap. They asked 14,000 people across 14 markets, and 93% of those respondents said that they believe climate change poses a serious and imminent threat to the planet. And most of them said that the weather has become more extreme where they live and that they worry that climate change will make life difficult for them and their family. And in response, a large global majority want to live in a more climate friendly lifestyle. However, 67% of people said that there's likely to be a meaningful gap between how climate friendly their lifestyle is versus how they'd like it to be. The intent is there, but the action is missing. Yeah, and we're, and we're hearing this a lot, aren't we? Um, and this was also flagged in the research by Pietro Leone of Lens Marketing, wasn't it? Yeah, this is a really significant and exclusive research project by Lens Marketing that takes a deep dive into consumers' purchase journeys across different categories and why people consider and buy or maybe don't buy more environmentally friendly products. Um, they found significant differences regarding sustainability across different European markets. For example, in countries such as Poland, Czechia and Hungary, research revealed that while 80%, 88% sorry, are aware of sustainability, a mere 7% have a comprehensive understanding of the term and the steps needed for a sustainable lifestyle. However, trends are changing fast. The research also looked at the automotive sector in the UK and Sweden. And in the UK, an impressive 71% of consumers placed a high value on sustainability in their purchase, resulting in 48% of those purchasing an electric or hybrid car. And this was an upswing from 2020 when, based on just 1,000 respondents, only 35% considered a sustainable purchase. So that's more than doubling. And of those, that 35%, 37% opted for an electric or hybrid vehicle. Yeah, I mean, this research is really, really interesting because it just dives deep into the path to purchase and, and as you say, the role of sustainability or the importance of it within those journeys. Um, so, Catherine, does this mean that established automotive brands need to be worried? Because that is a big shift in, in three years. Um, well, yeah, Pietro Leone does talk about this in the article and he explains that consumers pivoting towards more sustainable product offerings doesn't actually necessarily mean that well-established brands will be substituted by new brands. You know, rather, it means that brands really need to change rapidly to accommodate the needs of a changing consumer. In the UK, for instance, established automotive uh, giants like Audi, BMW or Mercedes maintain a strong presence, you know, even in the electric and hybrid segment. But they are increasingly contending with rising competitors. And so sustainability is not only transforming consumers' brand perceptions and inclinations, but also in case, some cases reinforcing loyalty towards brands that address the changing demands of these consumers and align themselves with modern and sustainable brand values. So why did less than half of those interested in an electric or hybrid car fail to buy the product? Yes, yeah, so for those who didn't purchase the car in the research in the UK and Sweden, higher upfront cost is the main reason. 
Um, it was followed by not enough charging points, which is an entirely different problem. But um, there's lots more in Piaccioliani's research. Um, and he includes analysis of a short purchase cycle category, you know, quite different automotive. And even for pasta, sustainability was a significant priority for 56% of UK consumers and 61% in Sweden. But again, for this category, price was also the major factor in not converting to a sale. Right. So lots of lots of insights across very vast ranging categories there, which is why the research is is super interesting. Um, but let's dive into that point about pricing, um, because that's a really big factor, isn't it, in um, buying sustainability, uh, sustainable products. Um, and you featured the in this spotlight some research by a company called Circana. Um, so talk us through that, Catherine. Yeah, I mean, the cost of sustainable products is a huge barrier. Um, you know, the general climate of uncertainty in Europe means that consumers are extremely price sensitive, you know, and they're making different difficult choices about what they can and can't afford every time they shop. And, you know, as a result, research shows that demand for sustainable options has actually dropped off since mid-2022. Before that, it was actually tracking ahead of just regular products. But Sakana also found that 68% of European consumers want to buy goods that are better for the environment, even though it's the first choice for only 14%. So essentially, being good for the environment has fallen down the list of considerations for shoppers when trying a new brand, while being the healthier option or at a good price has moved up. And in fact, at a good price is now the most important consideration for nearly three quarters of European shoppers. All right. And this makes sense, doesn't it? Because we're very aware of the ongoing cost of living crisis uh, in, in many markets in Europe. Um, so what can brands do? Um, well, it is a big issue. And so Ananda Roy from Sakana asks the question, is sustainability worth investing in? You know, and does it drive growth at a time when the high cost of living is already constraining demand? And the answer he provides is a little surprising. You know, many brands assume that price is the main barrier for consumers when it comes to buying sustainably. But he shows that this is not entirely true. Sakana found that distribution and availability of sustainable products remain scattered. And nearly a third of shoppers actively look for products that are good for the environment. So people are interested in sustainable products, even if they are more expensive. But if people can't find sustainable brands in their local store, then this is a very physical and real barrier for demand. And retailers also continue to market manufacturers not yet sustainable products at a more competitive price point to their eco-friendly competitors. So the positioning of these more eco-friendly products is important. Right. So just to reiterate, so brands and retailers need to step up when it comes to sustainability with more availability and better promotion from the retailers. Is, is that fair? Yeah, I mean, essentially, the research shows that despite their interest, shoppers have no choice but to pay a premium for sustainable options, and sometimes no choice to buy a sustainable option at all. And so with inflation and the high cost of living still constricting demand, and Android cautions that manufacturers are at risk of perpetuating the myth that demand for sustainable products is stagnant, when actually in reality, it's a poorly commercialised growth driver. So how can brands start to improve some of these issues? Well, this brings me on to the third theme for today, which is also to emphasise that fixing these complications isn't down to the marketing department, but rather a focus on sustainability is something that needs to be built into every facet of the business. 
In her article, Rania Lang, CEO of Purposeful Innovators, explores some of the overlapping meanings of CSR, ESG, purpose and sustainable development. She unpicks it all so you don't have to and how they fit into an organisation's strategic direction. She explains that by adopting a systemic approach to understanding these sustainability models, businesses can take action early to become more responsible and more sustainable in the long term. And she highlights, as Ananda Roy does, that unsustainable practices have a direct impact on an organisation's key macro factors when looking at all the levers such as economy, technology, society, legal, you know, all of those wider issues. And so it's really about sustainability being good for business and ultimately that any action that a business cannot continue doing long term is unsustainable. And as Lang says, by taking account of the impact of their business operations, organisations can adopt more responsible and sustainable practices that positively impact their stakeholder communities and deliver the economic sustainability that's crucial for long-term business success. Right, so 2024 is an important year for companies to really put a stake in the ground when it comes to sustainability. On a more positive note, could you provide an example of where a business has got this focus right? Yeah, sure. Well, the final article in the spotlight shares some nice examples of different ways brands have tackled food waste. Alex Lewis from Revolt explains that, you know, when we waste food, as well as the issues for society, when others are short of food, we're also wasting all the energy and water it takes to grow, harvest, transport and package it. And if that food goes to landfill, it produces methane, a greenhouse gas even more potent than carbon dioxide. He flags that if food waste could be represented as its own country, it would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter. And this issue will become increasingly important in Europe this year with new regulation from the European Commission. And so the article highlights, you know, it's a really innovative area for brands using technology and AI to reduce food waste and supply chain, you know, also creating new products from waste products, and as well as insights for consumer behaviour and collaborative practices between retailers and brands. Or on a final note, for a different kind of example, I recently spoke to Mark McGinn, who highlighted an interesting collaboration between eBay and Love Island. I'll let him explain. An example I really like, which ticks off a few areas of this optimism, including addressing how do we make sustainable life choices aspirational? How do we also make that choice one that I want to do, you know, going back to the me and the we, that I want to do because I think, quite frankly, it's pretty cool. And I would like to do it because it's the right to do, but also it's just what, how I want to be perceived. And we know, we all know in the brand world <laughs> how important those social norms are. And that was a sponsorship of eBay with Love Island. And mm. they sponsored it with their pre-loved range. And I think it's two years or maybe even three years into sponsorship now. But what that did so beautifully was in the context away from channels and outlets and media where you would expect to see sustainability stories this is in pop culture in effect yeah you had a message delivered around a more sustainable choice but it wasn't delivered as a more sustainable choice it was delivered of how to achieve the the look you wanted how to get the fashion you wanted how to be smart you save yourself money and by the way you also save the planet and what we saw with that was um they had a kind of 1400 percent uplift in searches of pre-loved fashion on their platform on ebay which you know we saw a huge uplift and it's an ongoing trend we see around that shift to pre-loved fashion but they did things right in the context of using you know in this case they used local voices of influence they used executions which were aspirational um beyond the sustainability message Mm -hmm. 
and they delivered huge outcomes in terms of impact through people choosing um, pre-loved fashion over new fashion. That's a great example. Listeners can read Mark's article along with all the other papers in this EMEA Spotlight on walk.com. Thank you, Catherine, for joining today and sharing your insights on this important topic. Oh, Alina, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed delving into the research. Great stuff. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you don't already, you may want to subscribe to The Walk Podcast on your favourite podcasting platform. Thank you for listening. Thank you.